Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Yeah, I just want to feel alive with you. This is Higher Ground with Julian King. Yeah, hello, everyone. Welcome along to Higher Ground this Monday, 23rd of May, 2022. Julian King with you. Great to have your company this evening. Wherever you're tuned in, 1170 Sydney, 1620 on the Gold Coast, SENQ, and of course, anywhere across the entire planet via the SEN app. A slightly abridged show tonight, of course, every time the first serve's on during a major, in this case the French Open, they get a bit of extra time because there's stacks to talk about. Now, I've got stacks to talk about as well. My open line number, one three hundred zero one eleven seventy. And the text line, store it in your phone, 0457 736 736. Now, joining me on the show tonight, it's the usual Monday night fair. Lachlan McCurdy from Code Sports will be along shortly for the weekend wash-up. There's so much to discuss, it's hard to know where to start. He's been all over the swimming too, by the way. Uh, James Paulson from the Sydney Morning Herald Sports Desk will be here to look at the back pages of tomorrow's SMH. And Ian McCulloch, the sports journalist from the UK, will join me to wrap up, well, what was a final day, a crazy final day in the Premier League and as mentioned, Brett Phillips who you just heard with the first serve will be back in the next hour of the program for a French Open update and pat on the panel, if we've got time will put me through the ringer in another round of agree to disagree to the NRL, uh, Brisbane 36 Newcastle 12 you know it was interesting, I, I, I like the Bronx in this one, I'm not sure especially without Reynolds, that anybody thought it would be that type of margin but it was and now it's five in the row for the Bronx I expected an improve for Brisbane this year. Probably not this much, though. And I didn't think Reynolds would have the impact that he's had. But happy to see them going well. The competition needs a strong Brisbane side. They do. And what impressed me was that they did it without Adam Reynolds. And they were actually a bit clunky at the start without him. Ezra Mam, I know Stats has been basically blowing on that trumpet for a while. He's had some really nice touches on debut. Selwyn Cobbo, superstar. Looks like he will play Origin. And the thing about Cobbo, without Reynolds, he actually came looking for the ball a bit more. And I just love watching this kid play. It just looks like he's having fun. Anyway, it was wonderful to see. There's just something wrong with Newcastle at the moment. I don't know what it is. Frizzell tries hard. Gagai was decent. Uh, they just can't put it together. Of course, it was it was the return of the Milford. A couple of okay touches. He's clearly not match fit. And eventually he'll get better. But they're a long way off Newcastle. A long way off. Now, Tigers-Bulldogs, uh, the Friday night game, the early Friday night game, 36 West Tigers defeated the Bulldogs, 22. This was the game after the turmoil of the Barrett sack, well, not sacking, but let's just say parting of ways with the club, that I thought, oh, you know, has Gus sort of pulled the crew aside and just gave him a bit of a rev up, maybe a big speech? I, I don't know. I was thinking about bounce-back factor. It didn't happen. So much for BBF. I, I thought... Maybe they'd turn up the dogs. Yeah, they scored 22 points. They put on a few in the second half, but they weren't very good. Burton was their best, been the best all year probably. A lopsided penalty count, I get that. Plenty of errors, particularly in the first half. The game itself was a game of two halves. Canterbury poor in the first 40. The Tigers poor in the second 40. Jackson Hastings good again. They got a stack of injuries too, the West Tigers. 
which is another reason I thought the dogs might be a bit of a smoky, but they were never really in it. Were they? Either way, whichever way you dissected that game we, we saw on Friday night, the early game, we're watching also Rants, aren't we? We're watching also Rants. I'll tell you what was a good game. Eels Manly, 22-20. How did Manly lose this game? How did they lose it? They were the better team there at Combank Stadium. They got the rough end of the pineapple when it came to the penalty count. They led 20 points to 16 at halftime, as I mentioned. Lopsided penalty count. Kepi gets in, bin, 73rd minute. Penasini scores. Moses, sideline conversion. Bank, game over. Game over. And the big news out of that match, the injury to Tom Trebojevic. He's having surgery on that dislocated shoulder. He's going to be out for quite some time. They're saying it could be five months for Turbo. What does that mean, though? Are they gone manly without Trebojevic? Most people would have had him in the rate at the start of the year. Are they out of your rate now? Have you put the pen through Manly? 0457 736 736. Good win too for King Gutho in his 150th. The early game on the Saturday. Now, the Dragons too good for the Warriors, 24 to 18. Look, both teams are not premiership contenders, judging by what they dished up. It was one the Dragons needed to win, and they did, especially after that Golden Point loss to the Gold Coast of Magic Grand. Cody Ramsey, he had his first crack of the year at fullback. Uh, he was excellent. He ran with vigour. He was involved in everything. He had a really good game. They just missed too many tackles, though, my Dragons. This is the problem. They, they get dominated in the middle, so they constantly lose this, this territory battle. And, yeah, they defend stoutly on their own line, but it's going to catch up with them. It was only the Warriors they played. But if they're going to keep getting eaten up in the middle and miss all those tackles, they're on the back foot. A, a team like Penrith will destroy them. Ben Hunt, great again, great as always. Moses Sawley, powerhouse game by Moses in the centres. And uh, for the Warriors, Adam, Adam Fenua Blake uh, was a monster for the New Zealand side. I thought Dallin had some nice touches at the back as well. Cowboys Storm. Now, this was an interesting result. Now, a lot of people thought they were in this game, but probably not to that extent. I mean, who saw that coming? And yeah, I know Melbourne were without Pappenhausen, they were without Jerome Hughes, but the pack was largely intact. Harry Grant started halfback. That didn't work. But they, just, they were out in Thursday, I thought. Melbourne, Bellamy said as much. The Storm, This Storm side don't lose two in a row very often. The problem with the Cowboys, they lost JT, Jason Tamalolo and Kyle Felt. This Nanai is an absolute weapon, a double to him. It's a shame Tamalolo's going to be missing the, that next round blockbuster game against the, Cow, uh, the Panthers, I should say. But well, none of the Cowboys. 36 points to six over Melbourne. Outstanding result. And they are flying. Been the real surprise packets of this season so far. And the Panthers, look, they're the team to beat. 32 points to 12 over the Roosters. I really thought off the back of the last couple of weeks that people are saying the Roosters had just turned a corner a bit. I thought they'd be really up for this. I didn't think they'd win. I thought it'd be closer than a 20-point deficit, though. And, look, the Tricolors competed for the first 20 or so. But then Penrith, just too much speed. They are a fast football team. And too much class. And they piled on three tries in the 11 minutes before halftime. Game over. Jerome Luai was great. Isaiah Yo, excellent again, which will really please Brad Fittler, head of Origin 1 on June 8. And, of course, now with Turbo out, they're looking for two centres and all the talkers, Katoni Stagg and Steve Crichton. And they could have as many as seven represented come Origin 1, if, if Coruscant plays. And then poor Jared Warrior Hargraves, he lost his call a little bit at the refs. He swore. It's not, look, it's not the worst thing I've seen or heard, but 
You just can't be swearing. Robbo said as much. The question is, the question is, who can beat Penrith? Do you give it to them now? I looked at the betting earlier tonight. 250, I think Melbourne's second line of betting at about 375. I still think if they're fit, they've got the full team in the park, I think Melbourne are as good as Penrith. But at the moment, it's the Panthers that are the team to beat. And the Raiders. Do you remember Brandy saying, and I know Vossi had given this a run on breakfast this morning. Do you remember Brandy saying, oh, there's no way the Raiders can beat South. No way. This game at Apex Oval, Dubbo. I'll tell you what, 32 points to 12, too good. The green machine. South certainly didn't do it for the brand new Prime Minister, Albo. They didn't. They were terrible, South Sydney. They haven't been great all year, really. And Canberra, where has that form been all year? Sharks and now the Bunnies. Four unanswered tries in the first half. The problem for Souths, I mean, their completion was shocking, about 65%. They're conceding too many points. I mean, how many games this year have they conceded over 30 points? Plenty. Well, Pat's going to be fatal. He's a Souths fan. Papa Lee, 250th game, was fantastic, as he normally is. Xavier Savage, you know, a lot of people calling for this kid to play more football than Ricky held him back for a reason. He had a couple of unhappy games, but he showed his skills, Xavier Savage. And I'll tell you what, South Sydney, they need Cam Murray back. They need Latrell Mitchell back, and they need them back very, very quickly. Very quickly. And the Sharkies, they knocked off the Titans 25 points to 18. Um, look, how much better do they look with Nico back at halfback? And I know come origin time, they say that Fittler's loyal. So, you know, maybe Whiten's going to be the 14. And Whiten's been pretty good for Canberra. But I think Nico is probably shading him at the moment. He got our player of the match here on NRL Nation. Uh, Wade Graham solid, I thought. And Lockie Miller, this was the great story. Dynamite. 27 years of age. Australian rugby sevens player. Really good story. Showed his footwork with that try. And I'm very happy to see the young man do well. And that's for the Gold Coast. I mean, Jared Wallace... Look, to be fair, when you're a 40, you, you don't score them that often. We're not all Bobby McCarthy's. We're not all Beaver Menzies. But maybe, Jared, maybe don't celebrate that hard when you're losing. And they've got a tough run ahead to the Gold Coast Titans. 0457 736 736. That is the text line number. What did you make of all the weekend's sporting action? There's plenty of it. To the round ball game. Cracking final day of Premier League action. So this prospect of, a, I guess, a first ever changing of the lead on the final day it was growing Sunday. Villa were leading 2-0 at Man City, Etihad Stadium. Liverpool were chasing a win over Wolverhampton. And I remember back in 2012, that comeback was conjured by City, two stoppage time goals. It was another rousing recovery by Man City. This time it took three goals. They were all scored in five minutes, from the 76th minute to turn it around against Villa. They won 3-2, successfully defended the title by a solitary point. Don't forget Liverpool were behind by as much as 10 points throughout the season. They've still got a Champions League to contest. They beat Wolves 3-1. So well done to Man City, Premier League champions again, knocking off Liverpool by a point. Man United lost to Palace, but they did secure six spot, the Red Devils, and a place in the Europa League because West Ham, they failed to claim six spot. They had a red-hot crack at that. They went down to Brighton 3-1. And uh, Leeds. Leeds somehow managed to stay up with a win over Brentford. Burnley went down to Newcastle, and they're going down in the process. Fulham and Bournemouth, they'll go up along with either Notts Forest 
or Uddersfield. Uh, in the A-League, you know, it's interesting. I saw all the tips and they say, oh, Melbourne victory. They'll cruise. They were smashed 4-1 by Western United. That was a stunning result. I'm not sure many people saw that one coming. And now, well done to Western United. They will meet Melbourne City in the grand final Saturday night in an all-Melbourne affair. Now, look, we were so spoiled in the pool, weren't we, during the Olympics? Emma McKeon, Hayley McEwen, Kyle Chalmers, Zach Stubbledy Cook, and, of course, uh, Ariane Titmus. Have, been follow- have you been following the Aussie Swimming Champ? She's broken the 400-metre freestyle world record set by her arch-rival, Katie Ledecky. Shaved six one-hundredths off that time. She She's a freak. An absolute freak. I tell you what, I mean, there is some serious talent in the pool and there's been some really impressive performances. Molly O'Callaghan, she's a star on the rise. She won the 100 free. No McKee in this meet. And Shana Jack. Remember Shana Jack? She, she's been impressive with her comeback from that doping ban, the fastest time in the 50 free. Another talking point too is this decision by Carl Chalmers to, to swim at the World Champs in Budapest. He backflipped on that decision. He wasn't going to. Now he says he will. As a result, he has bumped Cody Simpson off that list. He was third fastest in the 100 fly. Cody, though, great result here. He will. Well, he has made the team for the Commonwealth Games. And, you know, there's been talk of love, Trist, and the like. Um, Kyle Chalmers, citing mental health reasons, was actually absent from the naming of the team in Adelaide on Sunday night. And he said, look, the negative media attention surrounding my decision to compete at the Worlds and the made-up storylines surrounding my personal life have been more than I can handle. Now, Lachlan McCurdy from Code Sports has been following this closely. We'll take a deeper dive into that. Speak to him after the break. And did you catch the golf this morning? Uh, Justin Thomas. So my brother sends me a screenshot. because you're beauty. He backed Justin Thomas at about 25. I think he got him. Seven strokes back. And JT was rated a 1% chance of winning going to that final round at Oklahoma. 1% chance. And he did it in the playoff. How's that for a comeback? So he won in the freehold playoff with Will Zalatoris. Unfortunately, poor Mito Pereira, the Chilean. I felt, I really felt for this young man. It was a painful implosion. Painful implosion. So there he was, Pereira. He was on the 18th in the final round of the PGA Championship. He had history in his grasp. You've never had a Chilean major winner before. A par would have done it. A par would have done it. Shocking drive, put it in the water. It was a nervous shot. So what happens? Double bogey six. Meant he missed the playoff. He missed the playoff. So that is PGA glory for the second time for Justin Thomas. Well done to him. But the thing about Pereira, just one more thing on Pereira. To, to his tremendous credit, he accepted every interview request. Straight after, as he would have been hurting the young man, he goes, yeah, cool, I'll do it. He says, I was nervous. He's the world number 100. Tried to handle it a bit. It was tough. Thought I was going to win an 18. It is what it is. We'll have another one. Good on him. You see that. You see what he fronted up to after the collapse on the 18th. I mean, sports stars really have no excuse for not doing media. And he's a prime example. Cam Smith, Lucas Herbert, the best of the Aussies T13. Just quickly to motor racing. What is happening with Daniel Ricciardo? I woke up this morning, 12th. 12th. He qualified at night. I just can't put my finger on it. You can't seem to come to terms with that McLaren car. It just looks slow. Uh, Max Verstappen won. Well done to him. Poor Perez, his teammate, had to move over. He was really unimpressed. Charles Leclerc was basically dominant from pole and then had a power unit failure and gifted Max the race. Mercedes are improving. It was Lewis's best drive of the year. 
And in the Super Rugby, the Tars are great in their win over the Highlanders. In New Zealand, they leapfrogged the Reds into six. The Brumpies Valiant in their loss to the ladder-leading Blues. And the French Open on two, as you know. A tough first day for the Aussies. Young Carlos Alcaraz, the young gun. Is he going to win his first? As I said, I'll catch up with Brett Phillips in the next hour of the program. 0457 736 736 is the text line number. Feel free to give me a call as well on the open line. one 1170 Jules with you on a Monday night. This is High Ground. Text line number 0457 736 736. Anyway, it's a belated weekend wash-up tonight. Of course, an extended edition of The First Sir with Brett Phillips. We'll speak to him in the next hour of the program. As he does each and every Monday, he joins me on the line, Lachlan McCurdy from Code Sports. Hello, Lockie. Hello, Julian. How's Listen, it going? I'm going very well. Look, I know you're a Sharks fan, and uh, it was a nice little, a rather auspicious debut by another Lachlan, so I'll allow you to kick it off with that. Lockie Miller, uh, he looked good, didn't he? Lovely footwork, great try, and I'm glad that Fitzy saw something in him. Yeah, it's been fantastic. Obviously, as most people would know, the story now has come over from Rugby Sevens, kind of took a punt on rugby league. He's played obviously a little bit before, but rugby rugby union has been his thing. So coming over, there was no guarantee he was going to get into the Sharks main team. He's been playing for Newtown, but has really caught the eye playing for Newtown. Has played fullback, has played in the halves, has really kind of impressed all over the park. And he's sort of one that I think will really push for a permanent spot. Probably not on the bench, uh, not on the starting side, but on the bench. I think that number 14 jersey could be somewhere where he ends up, especially with Braden Trindle kind of struggling to have a bit of an impact on games. I know that was a very good debut and great to see so many of his uh, family and friends who could make the trip up to the Gold Coast as well. It was great. Actually, while you're mentioning number 14 jerseys, uh, look, take your your blue and black glasses off for a moment, Lockie, but but Nico Hines, is he a 14 for you in origin? He is in my team. Um, I've sort of been trying to do a rolling one each week that I keep an eye on, make changes to, and at the moment he is my 14. I would not put it past Brad Fittler to keep Jack White in there. Mm. We know how loyal the blue system is. We know that they love sticking to the players who have got it done in the past before. So if Jack widens there, no surprise to me. Like, I think he actually played really well against South on the weekend. So he's finding some form, which is good. But for me, in terms of versatility and form, I'd be choosing Nico Hines. Now, the Eels, when they beat Manly 22 points to 20, um, I felt sorry for Manly. I thought they well, they didn't deserve to lose the game. But the big talking point was this uh, this shoulder dislocation to Tom Trebojevic. Going to have mm. surgery. I mean, five months out of the game. Uh, people are now writing off Manly's chances of making the eight. Obviously, no turbo for origin. No Latrell for origin. Two open centre spots. It looks like Staggs and Crichton are likely to get the nod. Although, you know, the, I know... Matt Burton certainly still has supporters, despite the uh, the woes of the Canterbury Bulldogs this year. I mean, who do you like? It's only around the corner a couple of weeks away. Who are your two centres for Origin, one for New South Wales? Before Turbo went down, I had penciled in to Tony Staggs for the, the centre spot vacated by Latrell Mitchell. So I, I think he's definitely done enough. Uh, I think, obviously, the Broncos have been impressive in terms of scoring points with the likes of Selwyn Cobbo tearing it up. But when you look on that, that edge... He and Katoni Staggs have been so solid defensively. I think they've been really impressive. And even though Katoni Staggs hasn't had as much probably attacking output um, in the last sort of month or so, uh, I think defensively that's what would be impressed Brad Fittler. And I think he definitely has to be there on one of those edges. And I think Stephen Crichton, again, you kind of want to lean towards the teams that are doing well to bring that success in. And 
obviously with so many Panthers players in that Blues team already, you, you can kind of see the partnership there already, especially if he's lining up next to Brian Toto. Oh. So um, I think if you have Toto and um, Crichton on one edge and you've got Adokar and Staggs on another edge, I, I think that's a, a pretty nice combination kind of brewing there. Yeah, it's a decent team. And just looking at the Queensland side and... Just on the Queensland teams, the Cowboys six in a row, mm. the Broncos five in a row. Cobbo was outstanding again, and and he was great without Adam Reynolds uh, this game on the Thursday night. Uh, I think he is going to be there. Another man that will be there in the centres for Queensland is Dane Gagai. Now, this has been arguably the biggest talking point to emerge from that game. Try or no try? Look, I thought both the controversial bunker decisions were the wrong decisions. Yeah, I, I, I see I see more with the try that, sure, there's probably an interpretation where what the bunker ruled was correct, but I personally had it as a try. Um, obviously, the obstruction call is, is the big one, and it, it was interesting that I, I put on Twitter after the game uh, that that one decision is made this game go from a close game to a blowout. Mm. And while I, I still think Broncos would have got the job done, I think they were the much stronger team in that second half. It just took the wind out of Newcastle sales completely and just kind of demoralised them. And it was a shame because it was brewing up to be a really nice finish to that game. But yeah, it's just a shame that yet again, oh, such an early start to the week that we, or the weekend that we had to talk about refereeing decisions. Now, to the swimming pool. Gee, there's been some really impressive performances at the Australian Swimming Championships. I know you've been all over this. Uh, we have to start with mm. Ariane Dutby. It's it's not just one of the great rivalries in swimming, one of the great rivalries probably in world sport at the moment, Titmus Filadecki. And she's knocked mm-hmm. off the 400-metre freestyle world record, Ariane. The first person to ever beat a Katie Ledecky world record. It's quite remarkable. Huge. Well, sorry. The only other person to beat a Katie Ledecky world record is Katie Ledecky. She's beaten her own record, obviously, a number of times. But Ariane came in and just, you could tell that she was in the, like, just in the zone completely. She raced out ahead of that world record. And usually we, we, we know Ariane as being someone who comes home nice and strong, but it was kind of the opposite. She started fast and just kept that pace throughout the whole 400 metres. And we thought that that was just going to elude her, but six hundredths of a second, she got under that mark set by Katie Ledecky at the Rio 2016 Olympics. And yeah, now not only is she an Olympic champion, she's now the world record holder, which is fitting. And of course, coach Dean Boxall was there with his usual antics going nuts on the sidelines. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, he's going to do a hip flex. Actually, speaking of Dean Boxall, I mean, uh, Emma McKee not swimming this meet. Uh, what it means is that Molly O'Callaghan can sort of step out of that shadow. I mean, Mm. I'm, I'm loath to call her a star on the rise because she was good in the Olympics. So she's won the 100 free. I mean, she, I don't think, has peaked yet. Uh, absolutely not. Like, what we've seen with a lot of these swimmers is that because there's such an, an incredible group of them sort of in that 18 to 22 range, that they're just getting better and better. Like, Ariane Titmer said, I, I can't believe I'm breaking a world record 12 months after Olympics. And yeah. for those who don't really watch much swimming, that's because all their cycles are planned around Olympics. They they try and peak every four years, or, or in this case, three years, because Paris will be in 2024. So the fact that she's breaking world records a third of her way into that cycle is quite remarkable. And you're absolutely right with Molly O'Callaghan. She showed what she could do in those Tokyo relay swims, and she's shown this week just how incredible she is as an individual athlete. The fact that she not only won her way onto these teams, she won her heats. She won her races in both freestyle and backstroke. It's just incredible to think this 18-year-old 
this is her first major meet where she's gone and become an Australian champion and she's only going to get better from here. And just on the men's side of things, I know a lot of chat about uh, Chalmers and Simpson. We'll get to that in a second. But a man who impressed the Olympics, but perhaps not many people knew about, because, I mean, let's be honest, breaststroke's a bit slow and a bit boring. But Zach Stubbledy Cook, I mean, night mm. one, new world mark, the first man under 206 in the 200 breaststroke. He, he's such a cool, calm and collected character. Isn't I remember he? Chatting, yeah. chatting to Zach after he, as, as he was in quarantine up at Howard Springs when he came back from Tokyo and just chatting to this guy who had become a world champion and oh, an Olympic champion. And he was just so relaxed about it and steady and focused and going, okay, now I know what my next goals are. And you could see that in the pool, but he pulled away so quickly. He's just such an elite talent and breaststroke, especially in this country. And it's going to be hard to see anyone beating him especially at Commonwealth Games, but obviously with this time on his back, the world champs are his for the taking again. And it's just yet again a remarkable rise. 23, so like we said, he's in that group of people who so much more to come from him. Like he should be shaving seconds off that time, or maybe not seconds, but he'll, he'll get close to a second off that time over the course of his career if he stays on this trajectory. So, yeah, another one that I can't wait to see just how just how much he can achieve in his career. Mm. And Shana Jack, she's been good, hasn't she? And her comeback from the doping ban, she, I think, had the fastest time in the 53. Yeah, looks fantastic. 5300 free. Uh, she was on top of her game. And it just goes to show how hard she's been working since um, that across the last sort of two, three years. And then obviously once the, the ban was overturned, that she's continued to work hard. And she's obviously in that fantastic system up on the Gold Coast where she's just taking her training to the next level and yeah you can see how much it meant to her but you could also see how much it meant to the other members of the team having her back she's clearly a valued member of the mm. Dolphins she won gold at the Commonwealth Games in 2018 uh, she was obviously dramatically pulled out of the world champs in 2019 so it's fantastic that she's going to have that chance of redemption to, to get back in in both Hungary and then in Birmingham later this year. What do you make of Kyle's I guess for one of a better for one of a better term, backflip with regards to swimming the hundred fly in, in the world champs at, at Budapest. Cody Simpson, to his credits, come out and he sort of, you know, said, Look, that's okay. He was faster than me and let's get on with it. I think that's the thing. It it was never a set in stone thing. He was always kind of saying because he had a pretty big injury coming off the back of last year, he wanted to spend some time rehabilitating and just and as he kind of put in a few interviews, he kind of fell out of love with swimming a little bit. He was struggling a little bit. And as we know, he, he missed the uh, the announcement yesterday to, to take some time to focus on his mental health because of the, the media attention that's been on this sort of saga this week. And I think it is really important to remember at the end of the day, he's one of our elite swimmers. And he's the sort of person that when he competes, he wants to compete at his highest level. And that's why he achieved these results in the butterfly that... He, he swam the butterfly as a kid, and although we know him as a freestyler, he's still an incredible butterfly, and he got one of the top two times in the country this year, which means he is well on his right to go, look, I will nominate to be part of that team, just as Ariane Titmuss could have turned around and said, I will mm. compete at the, the world champs, but she's chosen not to because she wants to focus on the comm games. It's, it's a prerogative thing that they're allowed to kind of choose, and while... It might sit uncomfortably for some, especially with the feel-good story that is Cody Simpson. Uh, at the end of the day, the rules say you have to finish in the top two. And unfortunately, Cody just finished third. And it's fantastic that it'll mean he, he gets to go to the Commonwealth Games for the event. But means he, he just misses out on doing the double with the, the world champs. But yeah, uh, yeah it's, it'll it's a cool a story, isn't one. it? 
the, the Cody Sim. Mm, it, it's yeah. a great story. It's a really great story, I think. Very quickly, before I let you go, too, um, did I ever ask you, Lockie, who your Premier League team is? Uh, yes. Um, uh, whether you've asked me, I'm not sure, but they did get a win yesterday. It was Chelsea, so not a oh, yeah, yeah, up, no. and down, up and down season. Yeah, so right. we're the one team who didn't really matter yesterday. So I was happily watching Man City's incredible heroics, that's for sure. Yeah, it was very good. And one more thing, do you play golf? Oh, I wish I did. I can go down to the uh, driving range occasionally, but I shanked too many balls and know how frustrated I'd be over the course of four hours to dedicate enough time to it. So you do the odd Mito Pereira occasionally. Is that what you're telling me? You know, Pretty <laughs> much. Dry. Pretty Poor, much, you had yeah. to feel sorry for the bloke. But Justin Thomas, I mean, seven strokes behind. That was a remarkable finish Great in comeback. the PGA. Thank you, mate. Always good to catch up. Uh, what's coming up for you in Code Sports? What can you give us a teaser for? Ooh, plenty coming up. Uh, we've got some com games action where we'll be chatting to some of the other athletes. So obviously, big swimming week last week, but there's some uh, weightlifters. We've got some beach volleyballs. Got a got a few interviews lined up, which you'll be seeing over code shortly, and then plenty of NRL action. We'll keep rolling that out. And one this week that you can look forward to is a bit of a deep dive on how the Broncos have turned it around. So um, look out for that one. Beautiful. Later in the week. Looking forward to that. Thank you so much as always. We'll catch you next week. Cheers, Jules. There he is. Lachlan McCurdy from Code Sports. 0457 736 736. You're on high ground. Yes, Steve, on the text line 0457 736 736 says, uh, yes, Jared Sutton just presses Jared's buttons. Talking about Jared Rear Hargraves. Maybe. He wasn't, he wasn't particularly aggressive. He was frustrated and he dropped a swear word. Not the worst thing I've seen, but you know, the thing is, I mean, that there's this perception that Jared's targeted. I think I said today, saw an article today saying, well, it's actually, actually not entirely true. Anyway, City Morning Herald. Let's see what is on the back pages tomorrow with James Paulson from the Sports Desk. He's on the line right now. Evening, Jimmy. Yeah, good day, Jules. How are you, mate? I'm going very well. Hey, listen, just before we have a look at that, uh, Mick Chamis, um, he's been all over this Tigers story for a good part of a year and a bit. Uh, this has got a bit of traction, this article today about... You know, I guess another review on Madge by round 13. They have to have earned at least double points on the premiership table. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it was just last week we were talking about Trent Barrett. I mean, who'd be a coach? Madge, he, he had a win over the Dogs last week. He was odds on to be first on the chopping block a while ago, and now he's found himself right back in the spotlight. But yeah, as you say, uh, Mick says that there was a round 13 has been circled in the diary for a while Uh over at Concord, it's roughly the halfway mark of the campaign. It's, it's also next week. Um, the Tigers, yeah, they've got six points at the moment. They pick up two from the bye next week. So in their way, this week is a, a South team who, who look like they're in free fall. So it's a very big game for both of those sides. Uh, I'm not sure who'd be, t- who'd be confident to tip mm. anything from either of them, to be honest. Could, <laughs> there could be anything that game out of, out of the core, I think it is. Yeah, not a betting game, as they say in the classics. Not a betting. I mean, they've no, been hampered right. by injuries, the Tigers. So I think you've got to give them, uh, I guess, a little bit oh, of a room. Uh, you mentioned there the Bunnies. Uh, Christian Nicolucci's got this story about the Rabbitohs fan. Now, Pat, who's on the panel tonight, is a mad Bunnies fan. He's frustrated by the fact that they let Reynolds go. And Souths fans will keep reminding us of that. Uh, but Christian has written that maybe South fans should not stress as much. No, well, that's right. I mean, it was a very sort of meek loss to the, the Raiders yesterday, I think it's probably fair to say. But um, the Bunnies, they were missing basically 40% of their cap uh, on missing from that match yesterday. And, of course, among those were Troll Mitchell, that second second big hamstring injury in the last two seasons, and Captain Cam Murray as well. Uh, Nico, Nico says he's good good chance that uh, Cam Murray might be back this weekend after some minor surgery. 
And so that'd also be, uh, I dare say, music to the ears of Brad Fittler with uh, the Origin Open just a fortnight away. Well, the thing about, listen, listen, oh, look, this is a bit strange. I, I was discussing this the other day. I'm a New South Welshman now, but I, I look at Origin not so much as a state rivalry, but just as another team to go for, if that makes sense. So both, both were neutral enough. when I started supporting and I stuck solid. So if so it was yeah. the cricket, I'd go for New South Wales. So, yeah, I was born in Brizzy. I, you know, I don't necessarily identify as a Queenslander. As strange as it sounds, though, people, why are you barracking for Queensland? I've got to explain it to them every time. I tell you what, they're a red hot chance. That back line no, that they're really? going to build. Yeah, well, I mean, your your journos are taking a bit of a deeper dive at the two teams for Origin One tomorrow. Yeah, so this will be our one. I can only give you that annoying bloke and say this one in the paper tomorrow or online in the early hours. Yeah, of course, man, he lost Tom Turbo on Friday night, possibly for the season. That combo with Patron was central in the, the series win last year, so who pretty, who pretty pays at three and four is going to be one of the big questions to be answered. Uh, what I can say is it looks like a very uh, predictably heavy, predictably tenorous heavy score, possibly as much as one third of that 18 man lineup coming from the foot of the mountains. Uh, one of the big off season signings who had been in the frame for an Origin debut has dropped down the pecking order. Somewhat, I think it's a lot of the kind of flag coming to the frame for those centre spots. Mm. But uh, yeah, I think you'd be, you'd be worried about folks like Selman, Kudrow, Jeremiah, scoring tries to find. I know they're young, but they look made for it. They do, don't they? They they do. Sometimes you just you know it's the old adage, isn't it, James? Where if you if you're good enough, you're old enough. And, and some That's players right. just perform better at that level. You know, Bob Lindner was always the gold standard, the bloke that played better at origin level than at club level. I mean, these guys are yeah. outstanding at club level, but... Yeah, look, Scott Sattler, earlier today, he said he's talking to Brett Tate, and he says, who, who debuted pretty young for Queensland, he said, most of the time if you're playing on the wing, you're just trying to get the sets restarted in the manner of Brian Toto. You're always coming at your own end, so you need guys that just return yep. the ball really hard. It's a combo is one of those players. Give him a no, crack. Give, he, he's a gun. He's beautiful to watch. Now, uh, David Pocock, I mean, it's a bit of a crazy weekend. You know, South clearly didn't play for the new Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese. But David Pocock will be an Australian senator. And Georgina Robertson, she's got a story about, uh, well, his career change. Yes, and as I say, in touching in touch the distance of a senior, senior proved himself one of the all-time great uh, competitors and match winners for the Wallabies. But uh, as, as G. Rob writes, that the skill of pragmatism is going to be one that's much required in Canberra and one his fans haven't seen yet. I mean, I think no one was overly surprised when uh, David Pocock made that step going into politics. And I think it's safe to say he'll be a host of his army stable in the Melbourne mould when it comes to sports people turning their hand to Canberra. But... No, he's always been a very disciplined, single-minded. It'd be very interesting to see how he performs on the new stage. Well, he's very socially conscious, David Pocock, very environmentally yeah. conscious. I mean, we've seen him uh, to, involved in, I guess, what, mining protests and the rest and, um, you know, no, <laughs> signalling in Auslan as well. <laughs> yeah. He and his uh, then partner, Emma, said they wouldn't get married until uh, same-sex marriage was legalised Yeah, yeah. as well. He's a good man. He's a really good man. Now, yeah. uh, Barcelona are coming down under. It probably hasn't got the, I guess, the press that normally these big trips would get, James. Yeah, no, it's certainly snuck up on us a bit. They're uh, on the beginning as we speak with a near full-strength side, including our names like Danny Alves, uh, Pierre-Emerick Albaba, and Memphis Depay, Frankie De Jong. 
aren't flying coach like you and I, but mm. they roughed up a disappointing campaign by their standards. That was after midnight our time and were already on their way to Sydney by 10 a.m., which is a pretty solid effort. Yes, and they're going to play the A-League All-Stars. Uh, and they've been coached by Dwight York, who's going to coach MacArthur FC next year, which is kind of interesting, considering he's got zero coaching experience. Yeah, hey, that, that's right. That'd be good, you know, because he's a name. You know, he was, I guess, the marquee when it came to the A-League, and they launched all those years oh, ago, signing yeah. uh, for Sydney FC. Uh, what did you make of the last round of the Premier League? It was pretty wild. Oh, it's pretty crazy. I'm before I came on, so ours. Unfortunately, but yeah, you would you wouldn't think that they would do that ten years ago. They came very close to doing it again. They did. I'm just glad as a Man United fan that it's not Liverpool. James, uh, yep, thank you so much for your time. That phone just, it was good. And then it started dipping in and out again. Uh, so we'll leave it for now, mate. We'll catch all of those stories in tomorrow City Morning Herald. Thanks for your time. Good on you, George. Thank you. There he is, James Paulson from the sports desk of the Sydney Morning Herald, A four five seven seven three six seven three six. Steve, Steve loves it because on a wet night, Moses walks on water. He was good, Mitch Moses. He was good. Well, done. are you a, a para fan though, Steve? So there you go, Pat. Forty percent of South salary cap is sitting on the sideline. Latrell Mitchell and Cam Murray. So when you get his outside chance, Cam Murray might be back uh, this weekend for South, and wouldn't that be? I guess not a moment too soon. Now, we're just talking about the Premier League. What we might do, I might knock off a break and then check in with Ian McCulloch from the UK, uh, UK sports journalist who is all over this and uh, tell us about who's up, who's down, and what was a cracking final round of the EPL. Yeah, great to have your company this Monday night. There is so much going on in the world of sport. But if you love the world game, in terms of... Final days of the Premier League. Uh, this is one of the best we've seen in quite some time. So Man City, a trailing Villa, Liverpool were trailing Wolves. So many permutations. One point in the end, Ian McCulloch was all over it. Oh, we've got to play his intro, Pat. Okay, hit me up. I was just so excited, I was getting ahead of myself, but it wouldn't be a Monday night without a bit of clash. Ian McCulloch, good evening to you. Good evening, Jules. How are you, mate? I'm going very well. Oh, mate, just before we get into the Premier League, now, you might have seen this. It just bobbed up on Twitter in the last sort of hour or two. Uh, it's footage from the Mildenhall Cricket Club. I'm not sure where that is. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. You might be familiar with it. Nope. And this delivery, and it's been tweeted by Cricket, Cricket District, also been tweeted by the Barmy Army. This is one hell of a delivery by a bowler by the surname of Handy. This ball has swung at right angles. Just check it out. Because I saw it and I thought, this is Shades and McCulloch kicking off the fence because I know that uh, you're a handy in-swing bowler in your day, Ian. And I just thought if you watch it, it might bring uh... back a few memories. Oh, I was a, I was a fast medium spinner who couldn't spin the ball. <laughs> a fast medium spinner who couldn't. I did, I did once take five wickets in an over. Did you? I came to fame. So did, okay. Yes. So five. Can you do that without? Yes. Can you do five wickets in an over? With, yeah. Okay. So white balls one, two. So was there a hat trick in there? 
trying to think. I can't remember if it was uh, it was, there was a hat trick in there, but I can't remember if it was all one, five one, in a two, row. Three or three, yeah, or five in a well, hang on, four in a row is a double hat trick. Five, I presume that's a triple hat trick, yeah. But the caveat was, I was when I was at university. Yeah, was, uh, they used to have uh, inter club competitions, and mm. I was playing for the the football club. We played against the canoe club, and. I took five wickets against members of the canoe clubs. And in fairness, they were batting with paddles. Paddles, so. yes, I was about to say. Very good. Five and an over. I don't think I've taken five in my entire high school career. Well done, you. But check this out. Just go to Barmy Army. Look at, look at this delivery from Jay Hardy at the Mildenhall Cricket Club. It is oh, quite yeah. something. I've got it. I've got it. Now let's have a look. It's, oh, yes. Just wait for oh, it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> put, put, a, put a brick around a corner, that young man. Take the Steve Harmison there. Yes, very much. Yeah, I was in the slot. I think the batsman missed out on that one. Hey, what a cracking final day in Premier League action. Uh, you know, the prospect of a first ever changing of the lead on the final day was growing, wasn't it? Villa leading 2-0. Etihad Stadium was stunned. Liverpool were chasing a win over Wolverhampton. Uh, and then it just fell into place, albeit very late, for Man City. You sure did, yeah. I was working at um, Brentford against Leeds yesterday and all the drama was at the bottom end of the table for that one. Um, but we were kind of in the press box, we were getting sort of updates for what was going on and um, the, the journey thinks he was a Liverpool fan and was getting very sort of excited and then despondent and then excited and then and um, then went very quiet as City scored for his goal in five <laughs> <Yeah>. minutes. <laughs> I remember 2012 as well. Oh my goodness. Oh, my God. Is it true? Can you tell me? Because somebody mentioned this to me this afternoon that, you know, when, because they're all played at the same time and then the word filters through mm. from other games and that it was misreported that Villa then went up 3-2. Is that true? Yeah. So it was? That's right, yeah. Wow. That Anfield, there's a roar around the crowd. <laughs> oh, no. It was three. Villa had equalised. That was oh, it. That's, and, that's, um, goodness me. Yeah, so... But it is, it's funny because someone wrote, one of the journalists wrote in Sport Today that um, it shouldn't be that big a deal because in the VAR era, in the VAR era, mm. fans celebrating goals that are then, then ruled out is, is kind of is commonplace nowadays. And that happened to Leeds yesterday, actually. Um, it is quite bizarre because you're, you're in the ground and news comes through that Newcastle has taken lead against Burnley. And so the Leeds fans are going crazy at their end of the ground. And then... Almost instantly, Leeds had then scored, and the crowd were going absolutely balmy. And then VAR ruled it out, oh, and then they went quiet again. Yeah. And then news come through that you know Burnley had made two one, and there were nerves there. And then Brentford scored. It's was, it was crazy. The whole thing is just it is crazy. Top. But it's good. It's quite. I mean, it's great though that they they play all these matches at the same time. It's the only time in the season where it happens. Where uh, and quite rightly as well, because uh, my team QPR we're, we're still bitter that we were. We were robbed of the title in 1976 mm. when they were mm. league champions for 12 days and Liverpool ironically had to play Wolves um, who had already been relegated uh, 12 days after the last game of the season and were 1-0 down with 12 minutes to go and, but managed to win 3-1. So, uh, yeah, it's quite right that all the matches are played at the same time. and uh, yeah, It's, it's quite fun. It really it's is, brilliant theatre, isn't it? Yeah, it's, 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 it's the first time ever in the Premier League era where the relegation, all the relegation spots, the, the title winner spots, and who was going to finish in the top four hadn't were not established until mm. the last day of the season. That mm. never happened before, so there was all sorts of stuff going on. Uh, well, the last time, the yeah, the last time we spoke, we we thought, oh, if anything, it looks like it. Leeds might be the team 
to go down. There's much need to win. And as you mentioned there, Burnley going down to Newcastle. So they get relegated, Burnley, along with Watford and Norwich City. Uh, actually, just before we get to um, promotion, so Man United, they went down to Crystal Palace in what's been a miserable season. And I understand too, Ian, that they've cancelled their sort of end-of-season awards because they were so poor and that was, I think, a, a player's yeah. decision. It, what stuns me, and I only learned this this morning, and they just scraped into to Europa because West Ham uh, sorry, couldn't not to win to get into sixth place, but the Man United had a zero goal difference. Mm. A zero. Oh, that is just unheard of. That a team, a club that big, would finish the season with a zero goal difference. Yeah, it's the first time it's ever happened in their history, I believe, as well. Yeah. Which, um, um, but currently, uh, Eric Ten Hag is actually addressing the media as we speak in Manchester at the moment. Yeah. Uh, he's got a big job, a massive job on his hands there. It's, um, you know, they got a lot to sort out of Man United. I mean, they're, you know, the lowest ebb they've been probably in 50 years. Well, I hope he's the right man for the job and I hope they do it playing lovely Ajax football. We mentioned um, Burnley went down to Newcastle. They go down in the process. So Fulham and Bournemouth will go up along with either Knott's Forest or Huddersfield. There's a big game ahead. Yeah, the big game. That's um, on Saturday, the Champions League final between the Bill Ramages in the evening and the uh, the Championship playoff final, which has been labelled as the uh, the most lucrative match in world football um, because the team that goes up obviously yeah. you know, automatically gets uh, $150 million in, in their coffers straight away for being promoted. And you know, the other team is back into the Championship and has to recover from you know, disappointment of that. Um, but what's been, what's kick-started this, this week, there's been a lot of news coverage about fans running onto the field mm. and players being assaulted. And that sort of started on the, uh, Monday with the first Huddersfield playoff against um, Luton when they won and fans come on the pitch. And I think Luton players were being taunted by the fans and they went one further at the, uh, the Forest game the following night where Billy Sharp, who was a substitute for United and a former Forest player was just standing on the touchline and a supporter ran onto him and headbutted him in the face. Jesus. Um, and you've got yesterday, and he, he actually got jailed for that. He went to prison for, for five months, I believe. Wow. And then yesterday, they had the City where the Aston Villa goalkeeper was slapped around the head. It's, it's becoming a real because I know in Australia, if you run on the field, it's a, a $10,000 fine, isn't mm. it? Um, yeah, it varies here, depending on the sport. You're right. But yes. Yeah. But it, it has become a sort of a, an old. I think here, where at the end of the season, everyone runs on the pitch. It's sort of, but it's getting out of hand now. Where there's talk about, you know, a player, someone can have a knife, and a player can get really badly hurt. And yep. we saw, you know, reason Patrick Vieira kick out at a um, an Everton fan who, you know, obviously hadn't seen Patrick Vieira played and thought it'd be a good idea to taunt Patrick Vieira. <laughs> <laughs> and he got put on his backside very quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well. Yeah, but moving on to the, sorry, the, the promotion game you're talking about, I mean, Forest, we've mentioned them before, they've had an astonishing kind of rise, really. They were bottom of the table in the championship when Steve Cooper took over in October and they've kind of had this amazing run where they're now in the playoffs and you'd have to think, make them hot favourites, really, to, to be, mm. you know, a hard to side. They're really are punching above their weight a little bit. But, you know, they, they were punching above their weight when they got promoted three years ago with Aaron Moy in the side. So, um, maybe four years ago, three or four years ago. Yeah. So Huddersfield have got playoff final form. Forest have an abysmal record in the playoffs. It's the first time they've ever been into a final. So the pressure will all be on Forest. But um, but yeah, that that takes place Saturday afternoon, London time. 
It's a, well, uh, it's a team with great history. Oh, the other thing I wanted to mention before I let you go, the, the League One playoff final, because we have a lot of Sunderland fans here in Australia, and they've soared yeah. back into the championship with that final win over Wickham. Uh, yeah, yeah, a massive club. I mean, Sunderland shouldn't be in League One, but they've been there for three years. It's been really tough times for, for Sunderland fans. I mean, they've kind of have everything seen on those documentaries on Netflix. Um, it sort of showed how badly the club was run. Yes, yeah. Um, they've been taken over by um, the family that owned Marseille, um, the Louis Dreyfus family, and the heir to that. And I think there's loose connections, family ties with um, the great Julia Louis. I was Dreyfus. just thinking that because yeah. I because I just brought it up here. Um, and yes, uh, so is it Kirill or Kyle Louis Dreyfus, um, majority owner? And, and you see that surname. And got, and how many Louis Dreyfuses are there on the planet, right? So you think they've got to be, they have to be linked somewhere. Yeah, and he's only 23 or 24. He's very young. Wow. Um, they had to go out this year because there were sort of questions about, you know, how much money actually they do have to invest in the club. Uh. Um, and they'll probably do pretty well in the championship. You know, they're a, a big club, well supported. They'll get, you know, when they're doing well, they're pulling 40,000 every week. Well, it's a big stadium, um, isn't it? Yeah. Have you yeah, been there? You would have been there. Stadium. stadium of Light. Have I? Yeah, I have been there. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a great what's stadium. it like? Great stadium. Yeah. yeah, it looks magnificent. Yeah, it's probably. Yeah, it's um, big. I mean, I can't what I compare it to in Australian terms. It's, mm. it's, um, well, nothing really. I mean, Suncorp would be probably the nearest I could describe mm. to it. You know, great mm. viewing stadium, really. You know, good support, good noise, and uh, Sunderland's a good city as well for for a night out. Good pubs. Oh, that's good, good to know. Up there, it's. Um, well, listen, when yeah. I get over there eventually, you're going to have to show me around, of course. <laughs> the main street to Sunderland. <laughs> the main street, yes. I've seen, yeah, I can blend in. Mate, uh, you're always very generous with your time. I better let you go. Uh, what about Justin Thomas, seven strokes behind? She's going to dream of a comeback I know, like I that. know. Oh. And uh, I, I backed, I, I'd, I'd backed the lad that he beat in the playoff. And I had the chance to cash out before the playoff and opted against it and no, he's off no, the playoff. Right so. at home. It's tough. It's tough. Golf, golf is one of the hardest. It's Never. the hardest sports to pick, isn't it? Well, it's quite good here because the bookies here do top ten finishes. Oh, great! So you can back someone. Each, you can back someone each way and get a decent price. Mm. So I, I'd back Tom Fleetwood each way, and he, he won me a few quid. Good he on. was like sixty-six to one. Yeah. And uh, but Alan Iris, yes, had the chance to cash out when at the playoff and went brave and he lost. He went brave and he lost. At least he went brave. You went brave. He went brave as well. And always good to chat. We'll catch you next week. Go on, yeah. Bye now. There is Ian McCulloch, sports journalist from the UK, wrapping up what was a cracking final day of Premier League action. This is High Ground. Yeah, great to have your company this Monday night. Uh, Jono says, I was a huge Souths fan. I'm not rejoining. I'll give my jumpers to the Vinnies. A club legend, that being Adam Reynolds, has shown the door. They can get stuff. Jono, isn't it funny? Souths fans, uh, they let Adam Reynolds go, favourite son, and now they want to turn on the club. Which brings me to panel operator Pat. In fact, let's bring him in now with a great disagree. The finger thing means to taxes. Well, I guess this is a case where we'll have to agree to disagree. Okay, agree to disagree. Pat, hello. Hello. That was a controversial opener mm. this time of year. No, this time of the three years. Well, yes. We haven't mentioned it yet. We won't mention it. South Sydney. The taxes. The election. Well, yeah, we won't Policies put into place yet. He's only been Prime Minister officially for this morning. Hey, uh, South Sydney, 
Adam Reynolds, are you one of these that's going to donate your jumpers to Vinny's or what? Um, it's it's un, undeniably it's the wrong decision. Mm-hmm. You can't argue with that. I'm not as I'm not as hard on it as some people are. Yes. It's so disappointing. Um, but you know what I think as well is that I think that they got a bit when Adam Reynolds made his debut. Revisionist history says that they let Sandow go because they had Reynolds as a local junior, mm. and then knew they could throw him in. He didn't play the season. He didn't play a game the season before he made his debut. He had a knee injury in the lower grades. Imagine throwing. Someone in who hasn't played for for eighteen months, yep, and then them being a fifteen year NRL top level halfback. Mm. I think they sort of maybe didn't appreciate how lucky they were that he fell into to their laps. South favourite son, one of. All right, agree to disagree. Hit me up. I'm ready for this. Let's go. Tarek Sims to get dropped from the Origin side. Oh, this is really tough. I'm going to say disagree. I think Freddie will stay loyal. Um, we were, were listening to 360 as we were preparing, mm-hmm. and they were doing. Uh, they were talking about the halfbacks. That the halfbacks are too poorly coached in juniors. That the halfback stocks are poor. I think this is one of the strongest halfback cohorts I've seen, like top to bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you agree with that or disagree. So you're saying it's one of the best. Halfback cohorts we've seen. I I mean, I'd have to think about it. I mean, I think it's a strong. It's a, like every club pretty much has decided on their halfback. You know, Raiders obviously have the injury. Canterbury have it. I think long term. Flanagan's got Flanagan's got upside, and they they bought him as like a bit of a coup. Like, like they were pretty stoked when they got him. Mm. Like it obviously hasn't panned out the way they wanted to, but there's a good halfback in him. Okay, and then who's the other one that's wrong? Toby Sexton, everyone else. Reynolds, yes. I think Townsend, there's a great player in Sexton. He's just not in form at the minute. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, look, it's not bad. It's not bad. Yeah. But, I mean, the elites are at that sort of half a cut above. I mean, Newcastle, who they got? Clune. Clune. He's, he's, yeah, he's, he's, at the, he's at the bottom. He's, he can be all right, Clune. We'll get on to South. Yes. $1.37 this weekend. Who are they playing? Tigers. That's ridiculous. Oh, I think that's short. I think that's really short. That's weight. Tigers is three dollars ten. Mm. Um, against. That's a hard disagree for me. And so, it's, it's so, so what's your question though? Like, what am that, I agreeing to? That's that's way off. I agree. Yeah. Way off. Maddie Johns this morning, yep. and we'll hear a bit of this later. Says Cody Walker to fullback to take his mind off to try and sort of as a circuit breaker. Disagree. I disagree. But it's disagree for me too. But South actually have a 5'8 in Reggie's called Jack Capagnolo. Mm. He's a little bit older, so he's sort of mid-20s. Mm. In 2020, he was the Q Cup player of the year. Yep. You could, you know, he's very plays very similar to Cody Walker as well. Um, it'd be good if he could find his way into to first grade somehow, but... It just seems that Cody Walker is such a specialist five eight that I don't think there's much else. Well, you got to, you know, I mean, Lockley and Ilias have invested in him. I mean, it's going to take a while for them to form their combination, but well, I'm not moving him. Ilias has probably been their top, definitely their top five performers mm. this year. I'd say he hasn't let anyone down. 
And finally, this this show is at the end of my working week, so I get a I get a feed on the way home. Yes, KFC or Macca's? I'm a Macca's man. You know, my son said to me the other day, KFC do better chips. I said, no, that's a hard disagree from me. I he did, he I has his own segment, him. does he? Yeah. <laughs> he prefers KFC to Macca's chips. I'm Macca's chips all the way. Well, KFC, you know, that one sort of when they yeah. shut the, the box and that one sort of little yeah. half squeezed out. No, no, Macca's chips. I know they're more like French fries. I get that, but I just uh, prefer them. I'm not a big rap on KFC chips. They're okay. Maybe next week I'll be doing they a show. They get too soggy for me in that box. Maybe next week I'll be doing a show with your son. See, the Mathis, Macca's chips breathe better with the open pack. And how good are the bag chips too? Right at the end, you know, you take a chip and you look in the bag. There's just a few that are spilt over. You go, you're beauty. Wrap those up. Thank you, Patty. 0457 736 736. Look what we might do. We'll knock off a break on the other side of that. He's a busy man come major time here on the network on SEN. I speak of Brett Phillips, host of The First Serve, to chat all things French Open and Roland Garros after this. A ground on a Monday night. Thank you, everybody, for staying up late, tuning in. It's about 13 minutes to 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Keep the text coming in too. 0457 736 736. Well, I spoke to him a bit earlier today on the run home with Fletchy, and then I was my ears were glued to The First Serve, a special extended edition of the first serve, and I thought, how good is that for a, a nice little lead-in to high ground tonight? And I thought I'd better drag him back on the line for a French Open update. Brett Phillips, thanks to B-Solar. Let the sun pay for your electricity. Visit B-Solar to learn more. Hello again, BP. I'll tell you, you're putting in the miles that I'm there, putting in jewels. <laughs> Gee, it wouldn't be bad at the moment, just in Paris, just kicking back and, you know, having a nice glass of wine and just watching some clay court tennis. <laughs> yeah, look, it's a great place. Um, gee, a bit of rain about though today. Mm. Uh, lucky we've got the roof. Uh, they were the last uh, to get the roof, uh, Roland Garros. And I'll tell you what, they might need to follow the Australian Open lead and extend that maybe to Suzanne Longley in the second court and, and get a bit more play because, uh, yeah, it's obviously a restricted play in the last couple of hours. We've still got obviously play on uh, centre court, Igor Fiontek. Uh, if she isn't the clear-cut favourite um, uh, going in, if she wasn't, uh, she is firmly now. I mean, mm. uh, you know, she's just cementing that again. 29 um, uh, match wins in a row. 6-2, 6 love beating uh, Lucia Sarenko, who I think uh, Ash Barty beat uh, of a similar nature. Might have been less than that in an opening round of an Australian Open the last uh, couple of years. Uh, it looked like Barbora Krachikova, the defending champion, champ, was going to yeah. coast to a, a very comfortable win. And uh, the French crowd were as quiet as you've heard them. They couldn't find any passion to get behind Diane Parry. And then the game changed in a blink of an eye. Uh, quite extraordinary. Uh, she's got good technique to Parry, which all the French girls have got. And she's come back to take that to a three-setter. So that'll delay uh, Jordan Thompson and... Uh, Rafael Nadal. But the good news from an Australian perspective, yeah, a good win by Dasha uh, Seville earlier tonight. Yeah, very comfortable uh, was too, always, wasn't it? Yeah, always going to be the hot favourite going into that match uh, against the, her young Greek opponent and made light work and now sits up a, a really good second round matchup with Petra Kvitova and gee, the way she's playing Dasha, I reckon she's uh, going to be right in that match. She always plays hard. It's what I love about Dasha. You know, and, and we've seen her in you know Fed Cup and she looks really good and then just sort of goes missing every now and then. But, you know, when she's on, she, she's a good tennis player, BP. Yeah, she got to 20 in the world. Uh, I've got no doubt she could at least get back to the top 50. Mm. And, you know, a couple of years cruel by injury with the Achilles. Um, that's a, their go-to, like Alex Demonor. They need their wheels. They need to be able to get around the court and just make life difficult. And, um, you know, when I sat down with Dasher at Indian Wells going back a couple of months ago, Jules, you know, she just said, look, 
I want to be, I want to get back to that reputation as uh, when you see my name alongside you in the draw, uh, you just know you're in for one hell of a tough match. And, mm. you know, she's um, obviously not built in big stature. So you've got to use what you've got. And she's got this incredible tenacity, will to win. Uh, she can crank up the firepower, but, you know, she can just play that extra annoying ball back into play, which draws the error. Uh, from her opponents. So that's what will always hold her in good stead. And now she's back fit. I mean, certainly, you know, she should be back inside the top 100, just where she lands as the game has sort of shifted more and more since she was out injured. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. Just having a look at some of the other Aussies in action on court uh, tonight. James Duckworth, you mentioned there. Isla Tomlanovic also in action. You mentioned Jordan Thompson. Gee, tough task. Rafael Nadal. Uh, John Milburn up against quarter. And then I think the day after, you mentioned the Demon, he's up against Hugo Gaston. Uh, any winners out of that crew? Yeah, going to be going to be tough to make a case. Uh, look, I think you know, Tom Lanovich is the interesting one. I mean, Contivate is the fifth C, but she hasn't always played that well on the clay. In fact, uh, she took a couple of weeks off after, I think, an early exit out of Madrid. And Isla then had to retire in her quarterfinal in Morocco last week. She had a bit of strapping to that right thigh. So we'll see whether she carries any of that strapping into this match. Look, I mean, she's, you know, always been in the hunt against these high-ranked opponents. Has just never been able to put, you know, the whole game together uh, to get over the line. She always leaves the door open, Tom Lenovich. Hence why her ranking's always hovered, you know, somewhere between sort of 30 and 50 in the world. She hasn't been able to take that next step. Uh, but it, look, it's an opportunity. Yeah, I mean, Tomo, that's just going to be tough. Simple as that. Whether you, you know, it's Rafa with one leg hanging off and a sore rib and everything else he's got going on, the uh, the Spanish uh, superstar mm. who's owned uh, that court. Well, only three losses in his entire journey at Roland Garros, which is extraordinary. Uh, yeah, Milman. I mean, we know he's going to get a lot of balls back, but Seb Quarter is you know heading towards the top ten. It's just a different sort of build to a you know a Carlos Alcaraz. Not as quick, uh, but, you know, great genes, obviously, with the quarter name. And, yeah, Duckworth, you know, he'll give himself a chance against Mikhail Yima. Um, and he hasn't played, obviously, Duck for a few months, injured after the Australian summer. So a little bit underdone, um, but, you know, not without a chance. Uh, just looking at the world number one, too, Novak. He's playing the night session against uh, his Japanese opponent, Yoshihito Nishioka. I mean, yep. how, how deep is he going to go here, Novak? Um, you know, he's the defending champion, but... It's a stacked side of the draw with Rafa and, of course, with the, mm. the young hot shot at Alcaraz. Has he lost yep. much uh, having had such time away from the game? Well, I just think the last few weeks have been super encouraging. So we know, yes, he didn't have the, the continuity early, not playing in Australia, not playing in Indian Wells and Miami. And once he got to... Uh, so he went out first round Monte Carlo to Davidovich Fakina, which was a bit of a surprise. Uh, but they, they played a, a long match, so he hit a lot of balls. Then he went to Belgrade. Uh, he's home there in Serbia, made the final, lost to Rublev, makes the semis in Madrid and went down to El Caraz in a great match. And then he goes on to win Rome the week after. Mm. So I think he's been building really, really well. You can see the, the hunger's there. He's back you know, with those competitive juices flowing. Um, so I think he's right in the mix here. And I think he's probably in better nick physically, certainly, than Nadal. And the only question mark with El Caraz, uh, as good as he's been, and do I feel he's ready to win a French? Yeah, uh, he could. Uh, but, you know, still the test of best of five over seven matches for a 19-year-old. Um, that's, you know, the next step in his evolution, whether he's ready right now. And if he's not, you know, Djokovic has got to be certainly uh, top billing. So I think it is those three with a special mention for Sitsi Pass. Any other matches today stand out for you, BP? Uh, just tell me a little... Uh, 
again, Dan. I'm always fascinated watching Emma Raducanu, Jules. I mean, US Open champion, the biggest surprise packet last year. Yeah. Every match, you know, she's played since has been heavily scrutinised. She's decided to go without a coach for a period now. After um, uh, plenty of coming in and out of the, the door, there was a fairly revolving door around her. So I'm always fascinated to see how she's going to go. But, yeah, I think, you know, a lot of the other matches with the seeds uh, should pretty much... Uh, go to plan uh, today. And we only lost, what, a couple uh, yesterday on the women's side. Well, Shabur, Muguruza, we'll see how Kachikova goes in the um, the third set of her match. So the rest should be, you would think, um, yeah, fairly straightforward. Yeah, Raducanu's an interesting one, isn't she? Uh, no doubting she's got the talent, but you just wonder if she achieved so much so soon that it's perhaps a bit unfair to, uh, unfair to I guess, confer that much expectation on her. I know John McEnroe was sort of questioned whether she has what it takes to, to go on a run at the French Open. She's had a few injuries, hasn't she, in recent times? Yeah, had some injury, uh, changed the coach. I mean, I thought Torben Beltzer was the ex-coach of Angie Kerber. He, he'd come on board and I thought that would be a great, you know, partnership, what he did with Kerber. And then that relationship is sort of, well, not, I don't think soured, but it just, you know, she decided, no, I want to go in a different direction. And mm. she stated that I actually um, want a little break from having, you know, a full-time coach in my corner. So that's not uncommon in the women's game. There's a lot of chopping and changing. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. Different dynamics just sometimes don't work. Beautiful. But, um, yeah, we'll uh, wait and see how she goes. We will. Thank you so much, BP. We've got to fly and we'll uh, we'll catch you tomorrow. Thanks, Jules. Here is Brett Phillips. Thanks to B Solar. Let the sun pay for your electricity. Visit B Solar to learn more. Final hour of the program, and then we're going to play some of the highlights, some of the best and brightest bits from across the course of the day right here on SEN. Hector, thank you. I read your text earlier. I just uh, had a busy first hour, or first hour and a half of the program, and you're right. JWH, Jared Ray Hargraves, isn't targeted. He's just a goose. He thinks he's tougher than he is. He's a pretty good player. Lots of big hits on smaller men. Doesn't often run over the top of Tamalolo, Fanua Blake, or Hamlin Ueli. Um, Simon Dwyer's hit on JWH is one of my favourite NRL highlights. Oh, I'm with you there, Hector. It was a beauty. It was a great game. Uh, PSJK, thanks for joining the Joel and Fletch dysfunctional family the last few days. My pleasure. Yeah, did it from Wednesday of last week. Had an absolute blast. And Joel Kane back on deck tomorrow. Outstanding standing. Look forward to having you back. Thank you, Hector. I very much look forward to your calls. Uh, you know what? When you first came up, I think we were doing the OB at Hyundai and Wednesday. And Fletch, goes, oh, Hector, he's, he's smart. He's one of the best callers. He's great. And then I heard it, and I thought, he's got sound judgment here, Brian Fletcher. Sound judgment. Thank you, Hector. Always love it to hear from you. Now, on this day, it is May the 23rd, 2022. Let's have a look at some of the birthdays. 1918, happy birthday to England cricket batsman and footballer, by the way, Dennis Compton. 5,807 test runs. He also played for Arsenal. Dennis Compton in the 1950 FA Cup. He was born in Hendon in England. He died in 1997. 1944, I just spoke to BP in the last hour. Happy birthday, Nuke. One of our great Australian tennis players. Seven Grand Slam singles titles, Nuke. And 17 Grand Slam doubles titles. Remember when the singles guys were just as good as, at doubles, the Australians? Because they're all serve volleys. They grew up on grass courts. Born in Sydney, Australia. Happy birthday, born today, John Newcomb, 1944. Uh, speaking of great Aussies and major winners, 1946, David Graham, Australian golfer, born on this day, 1946. He won the PGA Championship in 1979. Of course, won today by Justin Thomas. Won the US Open in 1981. He was born in Windsor. Not up the Windsor Road, was he? David Graham, happy birthday to you. 
1952, one of the all-time great pugilists, marvellous Marvin Hagler, American boxer, undisputed middleweight champion from 1980 to 1987. He had the second longest unified championship reign in history, born in Newark, New Jersey. And he died uh, not that long ago, actually, maybe a couple of years ago. The famous Sugar Ray and marvellous Marvin Hagler fights. Born in 1965 today. Happy birthday to the Buttocks, Paul Sirenen. The most damaging back rowers I've seen in my time. Happy birthday, Buttocks. 1966, um, well, he played for England, but he's a Barbie. Graham Hick, 65 tests, 600, 120 ODIs, played for Worcestershire. Born in Harare, Zimbabwe, was Graham Hick. Think about it, he's, he was his dominant first-class player. Just got a mountain of first-class runs. Never quite transferred that weight of runs to the test arena. Never quite got there. Very talented. I remember Merv was just bounced the crap out of him. Was it 93? Might have been the 93 Ashes tour. Got a warning too from umpire Dickie Bird. Uh, ben Ross, good fella, Benny Ross. Played for a handful of clubs. Certainly played for my club, the Dragons. He's played for the Panthers, the Sharkies. Who else did he play for, Pat? Ben Ross? Uh, Bunnies. Yeah, he did too. Happy birthday to you, Ben Ross. Born today, 1980. And born this day, Aaron Donald. American NFL football defensive end. He was uh, the defensive rookie of the year. Seven-time Pro Bowl player, three-time defensive player of the year player. Uh, plays for the LA Rams and, of course, a Super Bowl winner. And Aaron Donald born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So we are up to date to the birthdays. All of those people born on this day, 0457 736 736. Now, just whipping through the Dallium results from round 11 of the National Rugby League. We'll go back to Thursday night. Knights v Broncos, McDonald Jones Stadium. Our very own Jimmy Smith was the judge in that one. Three to Selwyn Cobbo, two to Payne Haas, and one to Patrick Carrigan. Just on Payne Haas, you know, he's definitely going to be in Brad Fittler's blue squad. I, get, squad. I guess the only question there is, does he start at prop or do he come off the bench? So does Freddie go with Junior Paulo and Regan Campbell-Gillard, potentially? We'll wait and see. I think three of them be there. It's just a case of who starts and who comes off the bench. Uh, yeah, I thought Patrick Carrigan was great again. Uh, Tigers, Bulldogs. Wendell Saylor was the judge here. Friday night, Leichhardt Oval. Three to Jackson Hastings, two to Luke Garner, and one to Tavita Pengai Jr. A very own Sats was the judge for the Eel Seagulls game Friday at Combank Stadium. We go three to Reed Marnie, two to Ryan Madison, and one to Manley's Lachlan Croker. Timmy Manor. Geez, a lot of SEN representation, isn't there? Dallium judging, Timmy Manor, Dragons, Warriors, uh, Saturday, Net Strata, Jubilee Stadium, Ed, three Cody Ramsey, two Ben Hunt, and one Torhu Harris. That's that's close. I had Ramsey, Hunt, and Fanua Blake. Uh, Tim Manor, Torhu Harris is very good. Uh, Moses Suley was great too. Uh, now, Greg Alexander, another one from our stable. Brandy, he was the judge for the Cowboys Storm game, Queensland Country Bank Stadium. Three to Reese Robson. Three to Reese Robson. Uh, two to Tom Gilbert and one to Chad Townsend. Uh, Brett Kamali, another one of ours. Roosters Panthers Saturday at the Sydney Cricket Ground. They're no good at the Sydney Cricket Ground against Penrith. Three to Jerome Luai. He was great. He had his best game of the season. New South Wales 5-8. Two to Appy Coruscant and one to James Fisher-Harris. And then the Rabbitohs Raiders. This was the game at Apex Oval Dubbo on Sunday. Blocker, Steve Roach, the judge there. Three to Josh Papali'i. His 250th game. Josh Papali'i, two to Hudson Young, and one to Matt Timoko. And at Seabus Super Stadium, Titans and Sharks. Nico Hines, three points, two to Blake Braley, and one to 
Jaden Campbell, Gary Belcher was the judge there. Nico Hines, I think now in our Metricon leaderboard is first, Nico Hines. So well done to him. I read that out earlier today. So Nico Hines now leading uh, the Metricon Homes leaderboard here as part of NRL Nation. And if I can just find the Dallium leader, here it is, Dallium leaderboard in front of me. So after 11 rounds, Isaiah Yo out in front, 17 points. One clear of Nico Hines and Ben Hunt of the Dragons, 16 points. Uh, one behind them, 15 points, Ryan Pappenhausen and Mitch Moses. And then on 13 points, you've got Daly Cherry Evans from the Seagulls. And on 11 points, Adam Reynolds from the Broncos, Sam Walker from the Roosters, and James Tedesco as well. So the Dally M leaderboard is up to date. Uh, 0457 736 736. Yeah, 100% footy tonight. Uh, so Paul Gallen has named his New South Wales team. And I think Darren Lockyer is about to name his Queensland team. So once we find that, we will bring it to you. Just some signing news. You may have heard this. Um, Brisbane Broncos star centre Herbie Farnworth has signed a one-year contract extension with the Bronx. That's an interesting time period. One year. One year. What does that tell you? Because I see an article say, ah, oh, yeah, well, guess what? Wayne Bennett from the Dolphins, he's missed out on another one. But it's only one year. The England International. Been a target for the Bronx and the Dolphins during recent months. Also on the World Cup radar for England. He's playing really good footy at the moment. A really strong 2021 campaign. One of the few shining lights. And it's a pretty decent centre combination with Tony Staggs at the moment, isn't it? So he has agreed to only a one-year extension, Herbie Farnworth, which is what I'm saying. It might indicate that he's probably a bit less certain about his next long-term move. But the other reason there is if you expect your market value to increase, or maybe that he's playing the long game there and he's backing himself. Anyway, he's a good player, and I'm sure Broncos fans will be glad that they retained his services. Now, Jack Bird, we thought that he'd sign, but he hadn't put pen to paper. And this came to light the other day. But it has been reported that he finally has, Jack Bird, signed a two-year extension with the Dragons after months of negotiating with the club. You know, he won a premiership with the Sharks, Jack Bird, in 2016. Penned a deal today. That'll keep him at the Dragons until the end of 2024. 550 grand per season is about right, I think, for his calibre of player and the footy that he's playing, Jack Bird. And Anthony Griffin, he was on NRL 360 tonight. And he said the good thing about Jack Bird is he can play anywhere, which is invaluable. He can play anywhere, which is invaluable. He's already a premiership winner. He knows what the back end of a season looks like, so we need players like him. And he goes on to say, Anthony Griffin, for our club, that's really important because we haven't been there consistently for a while. So to have guys like Jack Bird, Ben Hunt, have been to grand finals, is really important for us. He's 27, Jack Bird, 114 NRL games, injury played career that you know that started in 2015. Now, this is Darren Lockyer's New South Wales Blues team. Is that right, Pat? So Lockyer's named his Blues team. That Oon and both, are they? Lockyer did, and then uh, and then Gallon's just come on now. Okay, so we'll get that in a moment. So Darren Lockyer has named his Blues team. This is who Lockyer's picked. He's gone Tedesco fullback. To'o and Addo Carr on the wings. Crichton and Staggs in the centres. Luai 5'8", Cleary halfback. That's most people's back line, I think. His front row, this is interesting, has got Payne Haas, Damien Cook and Jake Trebojevic, who played in the front row last season, I think. Angus Crichton, he's got in his side with Liam Martin. And then Isaiah locks the scrum. And then on the interchange bench, he's 14, is Nico Hines, Junior Polo, Daniel Saifidi and Kian Kalomatangi. So, Kalomitangi's got a few fans. So Gal has gone RCG, 
Regan Campbell-Gillard over Saifidi. Yeah, and he's okay. Pushed RC- I think on form that's reasonable. And then RCG to start and Jake Trevojevic off the bench. Mm. I like Jake, Tr- Jake Trevojevic on the bench. Mm. And RCG to start. Okay. The back line is the same, I'm presuming. Yeah. So pretty similar. I'm very much looking to see what their, um, their Queensland team is going to be. Very much looking forward to that. I reckon the Queensland back line, this is the back line. Caelan Ponga will be your fullback. The wingers will be Xavier Coates and Selwyn Cobbo. The centers will be Gagai and Holmes. Your 5'8 will be Cam Munster. Your halfback will be DCE. That is an outstanding back line. Outstanding back line. Your front row will be Papa Lee, Harry Grant and Tino, I think. And your back row will be Kafusi. I'm missing one here. There's one I'm not thinking of. Help me out here. Arrows 13. Arrow 13, and I can't remember the other back row I was. It'll come to me, I'm sure. It'll come to Come on, Pat. It's, You're meant to be the stats has- man. You're... You're not helping me here at all. You're not helping me here at all. Anyway, it'll come to me. I for, if you can help me, I for five seven seven three six seven three six. You're frantically looking for it now, aren't you? Because I know that it's it's someone who when you when you get it, it's, I know it's someone who's going to pick themselves. Yeah, maybe. Just quickly in the injury front, North Queensland going to be without without stars. Kyle Felton, Jason Tamalolo for Friday's clash against the defending premiers Penrith after the pair picked up injuries. And the Cowboys round 11 win over the Storm. Yes, Patrick? Kurt Capewell. Kurt Capewell, that's the one. Thank you very much. Uh, Philip Shami, the Titans winger, re-aggravated a knee injury after he left the field late in the second half of the sides. Lost to Cronulla with coach Justin Holbrook not expecting his fly to be available against the Broncos. Sharks and a CSF at Talakai also failed to finish the match due, due to an ankle injury. Teague Wilton was troubled by a leg complaint. Got through the final minutes. Uh, Craig Fitzgibbon, the coach, said post-match he was hopeful. That Talakai's injury was not too serious. Now, for the Raiders, Charles Nickel Klukstar picked up a hamstring injury in their win against the Rabbitohs. Do you remember that? He was saving a, a 40-20 attempt or trying to, replaced by Xavier Savage in the second half. The Bunnies lost to Vita Totola and Tane Milne to failed HIAs. Both men will be monitored. Tom Trebojevic, that's the big injury story to emerge from the weekend. Scant on his dislocated shoulder. Uh, will go to surgery has been reported today, expecting five months, five months on the sideline. I see NRL physio said, you know, with that sort of thing, there, there could potentially have been a slight shoulder fracture there as well. We don't know. So, of course, for the Origin team for the series opener on June 8 to be named next weekend, Fittler is going to be looking for two new centres, of course, with South's Latrell Mitchell out as well. Uh, another one out of contention, speaking of centre three quarters, is the Knights Bradman Best. Now, Best is going to spend a bit of time on the sidelines as well after dislocating his elbow in Thursday night's loss to the Broncos. The Warriors finished down a man. They only had 16 men against the Dragons. Adam Fenua Blake was forced from the field late with a foot injury in that match. And Adam Reynolds, um, he missed out because of this groin injury. Uh, there's no certainty either that he's going to return. He may, he may, but as Brian Fletcher told me earlier on the drive show, um, that Reynolds is not necessarily guaranteed to start, that maybe the groin is a bit worse than they first thought. And as for the Tigers, uh, poor Jacob Little can't catch a break. They lost him, the West Tigers, to a head knock in their win over Canterbury. And the flu, as you know, flawed Bulldogs winger Josh Adokar, the Raiders 5'8", Matt Frawley ahead of round 11. Oh, just on Josh Adokar before we get to the break, speaking of Fletchy, when he was catching up with, um, with Sats and Jace, in our regular Monday cross, and he's sort of hearing a bit of a whisper. Doesn't know if it's true, 
That Addo Car is no certainty to be picked for Origin 1, and maybe Crichton plays on the wing. Watch this space. It'd be unheard of, you'd think. I, I know he's in a beaten side at the moment, but it's still Josh Addo Car. He'd be in my team. He'd be in my team. You are listening to High Ground on a Monday night. Julian King with you. Great to have your company wherever you're tuned in on 1170 Sydney, 1620 on the Gold Coast or via the SEN app.